Hey, what is going on, everyone? It's me, Mr. Mario, and welcome back to another episode of Mod Chat. For those who do not know, this is a podcast I do here in two different forms. First of all, it is available in a video visual form here on the Mr. Mario 2011 YouTube rumble and odyssey channels on top of that it is also available as a audio only form in a podcast form because well this is an actual podcast so you can take it around and listen to it wherever the hell you want to simply look up mod chat all one word on your favorite podcasting app host, provider, or site, and you should hopefully be able to find it. I know it's not available on all of them, but it's available on most of them. Either way, this episode of Mod Chat, even though it is December, the first episode of December, and it is getting colder and cooler outside, it seems like the modding news isn't really cooling down. It seems to be heating up, if anything, so we have some fun stuff to get into. I also do want to preface this by saying that if I do sound a little bit different, it is not your speakers, your headset, or my microphone here. Uh, I'm getting over a sinus infection. Don't worry, it seems to be okay, and I'm nearly resolved with it here. However, uh, you can probably hear I'm not at 100% with that, so we can still work with it. It's all good, but uh, my voice was a lot worse before, so thankfully I have at least like 95% of it back, and I think that 5% we'll just have to forego it for now until next episode. But either way, let's go ahead and jump right into the topics here. So here's a repository I end up seeing from developer Funky Flow, which seemed to be pretty interesting, and although it is related to the PlayStation 5, it's not modding in the typical sense that we would think of here on mod chats, but it was something here that I did want to share because although this is not useful to me, it might be useful to some of you all who are into home assistance and such. This here is PS5 MQTT, and this states here that you can integrate your PlayStation 5 devices with Home Assistant using MQTT. And they're saying that the following features have been implemented or are planned for future implementation, with all four of these being implemented here, saying that you can power up or wake and standby from rest mode, you can discover PlayStation 5 devices on a local network, there's a web UI for acquiring credentials, and you can match PlayStation Network account activity to the device. There is some simple installation instructions right here, in which you need to install a MQTT broker, you need to add the repository to the Home Assistant, install the PS5. MQTT add-on, not the Edge version, configure it as described in the documentation, start the add-on, and then use the web UI to authenticate with each PlayStation device. So it has an example right here just showing some of the usage, and there's a nice frequently asked questions section just in case you have anything here. It looks like releases are compiled, and you can check them out and download them right here. Uh, well, at least you can get the source code itself, but it shows the differences in each one. Uh, so either way, that's still really cool to see here. And for anybody who works on home assistance and you like having that in your life, in your setup, you might want to look into something like this just to get a little bit more usage out of your PlayStation 5. I will say the only downside, if you are a viewer of Mod Chat and you have a PlayStation 5 on a lower firmware for jailbreak purposes, you might not be able to make use of the PSN account activity or maybe even full use of this. Uh, so this would probably be for PlayStation 5 that are running the latest firmware. Going back to the original Xbox here, we have a post from Xbox scene here saying that Kekul's Xbox CPU Interposer released under GPL. And for anybody who does not know, this here is something that has been, how do I put it, a little bit of a, it's been kind of shrouded in mystery for a while, really the act of doing a full CPU upgrade on the original Xbox, just because there's certain people and certain 
certain places that know how to do it. And it used to be a lot more common, but just because it is very specific and less people are doing it now, the people who do know how to do it as a service typically kind of keep it more guarded. Uh, so it's been one of those things where it's not like a super easy modification that anyone can do, but really the methodology and even the hardware of how to do it uh, have been a little bit of a mystery to the general public. However, let's go ahead and read this here. For the tech-savvy Xbox enthusiasts looking to push their original consoles to new limits, the recently published Gerber files and bill of materials for an Xbox CPU interposer come as exciting news. Developed to enable CPU upgrades on original Xbox consoles, these interposer boards act as a critical interface between the new CPU and the motherboard. The interposer board is a nod to the legacy of the early mid-2000s when the Xbox homebrew scene was at its peak. Modders were faced with some kind of CPU bottleneck with the onboard 733 MHz copper mine based processor. The FriendTech team intervened and offered a CPU upgrade, opting for the top of the line Pentium 3 1.4 GHz Tualatin model. The latter significantly improved the performance of both emulators and homebrew software slash games two of the console's flagships, as well as higher resolution video playback, i.e. 720p. Since then, enthusiasts like Kekul from Chimeric Systems have been diligently working to reverse engineer these intricate boards. With the original CPU upgrades becoming scarce as FriendTech Dream X consoles were only briefly sold in the early to mid-2000s, Efforts to reproduce these boards and perform these mods have gained momentum. Kekul, currently recovering from an injury, promises to add more documentation to the project, which stands as an open-source beacon under the GPL license for the time being. This release could pave way for a resurgence in Xbox modding, allowing power users to enhance performance significantly. Stay tuned for more updates, and if you're ready to take on the challenge, the files are now available on GitHub. So we have a GitHub link here, and you can also check out Kekul's coffee page here if you want to donate. But let's go ahead and check this out here. If we come over, we have some zip files for the adapter and the interposer and the interposer bill of materials CSV file. It states right here, the Gerbers and bomb for my CPU interposer. I will try and add some more documentation as recover from my injury, released under the GPL for now. The no-speed Gerbers have the speed switch circuit cut from the PCB. I suggest ordering 1.2mm thick board. 1.6 will work, but it takes some extra heat to attach it to the motherboard. So this is certainly cool to see, and if we see some more development from this here, uh, that would be awesome. I'd welcome it and love to see it. It seems like the RP2040 is really just the gift that keeps on giving, where we've seen it be used for things such as Pico Flasher, which allows us to modify, read, and write the uh, NAND on a Xbox 360, to even Pico Fly, which allows us to just straight up modify, like hard mod the Switch itself, uh, to Game Boy, I believe the original Game Boy, not Game Boy Color, but making a uh, Game Boy Interceptor, GB Interceptor, which is essentially a Game Boy flashcard. Uh, so the RP2040 is just so versatile, and it seems like the uses for it, especially in the modding community, are absolutely endless here. And one of the things we see here is a development from Yoti, which has been announced using a RP2040 for a PSP unbricker. Stated here from the Wololo article, scene developer Yoti has published a video of a work-in-progress unbricker for the PSP using the Raspberry Pi microcontroller RP2040. 
you can now unbrick pretty much any PSP model. Unbricking older models of PSP has been a possibility for a long time with the Pandora battery, but further models became harder to hack and also to unbrick. Recently, significant progress has been made on hacking unbricking PSP 2000 and 3000 models though with the Baryon Sweeper method. The hardware for this technique is a bit more demanding as one needs to emulate the encrypted handshake of the advanced unbreaking batteries used for that process. In other words, a simple Pandora battery isn't enough anymore. You need something a bit more advanced with some intermediate logic running on a microcontroller. That's where Baryon Sweeper comes in. Now, with cheap hardware implementations such as the one Yoti is working on here, unbrickers for all models of PSP are a possibility as described in the original explanations. And here, for example, we have this uh, from a couple years ago from Yoti where it shows where you can take a uh, USB TTL device and you can solder this up directly to the pins of a PSP 2000 or 3000, power it up, and you should be able to work with your own uh, Baryon Sweeper device here. Yoti has been a key dev on the Baryon Sweeper method. While all the documentation is now available to make your own unbricker, it's nice to see people showcasing implementations here. So let's go ahead and check out this video. It's only 28 seconds, so it looks like here, he ends up plugging this into power, it ends up flashing, and it looks like that is a... what device is that? That is the RP2040. That looks like the RP2040-0 here from what I'm seeing. But let's go ahead and continue on. So he has that. Oh, he has an actual switch soldered up to it. That's cool. So he flipped the switch. Oh, there we go. All right. And the PSP is now working and presumably unbricked. So that's super awesome to see. I was able to see. Yep, I could see the menu right there. That's awesome. So there we go. Just a really cool uh, work in progress look at it here. And uh, if we're able to see this come out, which I hope we'll see it soon at some point, this is fantastic overall. Speaking of Unbrickers, we have not one but two articles here that we're covering, both from Wololo, although this one is written by the Zet in regards to unbricking PSPs. Uh, I know here they both came out the same month, still uh, 2023, and two separate projects at that. So the Zet here says PSP hacking scene veteran and developer Davey is currently applying the finishing touches to his upcoming unbreaker for all PSP models, which will be able to restore any retail PSP model to the official system software 6.61, which is the latest for anyone who does not know. Despite not directly installing a custom firmware itself, it allows various existing custom firmwares such as ME, LME, Pro, or ARC to be easily installed afterwards. This here is Project Unbricker, and it states here that this is a PSP 3000, a 07G model, booting a custom IPL via service mode. And here, just looking at it at the top, it says, Hello World from a fully custom firmware running on a bright 3000, TA-095 version 4 generation 7G, Unbricker coming soon. While the Unbricker already has a proper name, it is still being kept a secret for now. But who knows, maybe you are bright enough to already guess it. Alternatively, why not come up with a great name for the upcoming Unbricker yourself? We're curious about what you can come up with. Unlike previously assumed, Davy did not end up porting Despotar del Cementerio or Time Machine to the newer PSP models. Instead, he opted for flat-out reverse engineering various components of the PSP's firmware itself. This means he has effectively written his own mini-firmware for the PSP's multiple types of LCDs, its NAND, and various other components. What a mad lad! 
requirements for the unbricker. So here it says that even though Davy decided to do his own thing, instead of opting for a DDC or TM port, his unbricker is still as easily usable as the older Pandora tools were, assuming you fulfill the requirements. Similar to the Pandora tools of ye olden days, this modern type of Pandora unbricker effectively requires the same three things. A memory stick for your PSP, so this is a memory stick micro for the PSP Go, or a memory stick Pro Duo for other models, the unbricker and 6.61 firmware files, and a way of entering service mode on the PSP. The memory stick is necessary for copying some files onto it, and it is also required for injecting an IPL into the memory stick's boot sector space. This is easier done than it sounds, trust us. Entering the service mode is a real challenge though. Now it states that the newer PSPs such as the 3000s, the Go, and the E1000 each require a dedicated physical Baryon sweeper. While any PSP 1000 or 2000, this time even the TA88 version 3 model, may use an old-fashioned Pandora battery instead. Alternatively, using the Baryon Sweeper method also requires running the Pi Sweeper software on a PC while being connected to a Baryon Sweeper. The Baryon Sweepers can be either purchased from dedicated private sellers, such as Peter Lustig on Twitter, or you can craft them yourself following the instructions available on the PSP Dev Wiki if you have some experience in tinkering, that is. Even though there is currently no exact release date so far, we will keep you informed about it and we will also tell you how to use the Unbricker once it has finally been released. So this is super awesome to see here in regards to not only just having Baryon Sweeper, but now we have kind of a proper marriage of it as well too, it seems. If you want something a little more, when I say modern, I mean this in the sense of it just installs the latest firmware right off the bat. So if you just want to get to that, you can. But it looks like here, this works really well because this not only makes use of the old Pandora battery if you physically have that, but it can also make use of Baryon Sweeper if you want to go with a method such as this, a physical hardware method. Uh, so I'm looking forward to this here. This would be really cool to see. Now this ended up making some waves for those who do not know uh, third-party controllers were effectively blocked on the xbox platform uh, most likely in a nod to get cronus devices and other devices like that off of the system just to stop them from working However, here, another Wololo article is stating that modders are already bypassing Xbox's third-party controller restriction. It states here, a few weeks ago, Xbox owners discovered that unauthorized third-party controllers wouldn't be allowed on Xbox anymore, but hackers and tinkerers are already bypassing the ban. Third-party controllers banned on Xbox. In October, Xbox owners started encountering an error when plugging some unlicensed controllers into their Xbox. The initial discovery by gamers has since then been confirmed officially on Xbox's help pages and was covered extensively by mainstream media. Once you get the error for a particular device, the device will stop working on that specific console within two weeks. So I didn't know, actually, I did not know that there was a uh, time bomb, essentially. And from Xbox's official help page, it's in regards to this air right here and it states that this means that one of the accessories you're trying to connect was not manufactured by Microsoft or another licensed Xbox hardware partner. If you do not receive an error code, your accessory will not be impacted. Microsoft and other licensed Xbox hardware partners accessories are designed and manufactured with quality standards for performance, security, and safety. 
unauthorized accessories can compromise the game experience on Xbox consoles, Xbox One, and then Xbox Series S and X. The current guess is that Microsoft are doing this to prevent some gamers from cheating in online games by using devices such as the Cronus Zen, which are basically controllers or adapters with full scripting features. But there is also the concern that some third-party devices are actually extremely useful for people with disabilities to enjoy their gaming device. Microsoft do have an official hardware partner program for companies willing to go that route, though. And to their credit, they did put a link to their disability answer desk on that particular Airs help page. Whether Microsoft are truly trying to make a dent in online cheating or just trying to channel more manufacturers to their licensing fees is anyone's guess. It's most likely a bit of both, which I would agree with, but I would probably say it's more closer to the online cheating. Now covering this here saying that modders find a way, of course, it only took a few weeks for tinkerers to try and thwart the limitation. Twitter user and hardware magician Robert Dale Smith has published a tweet showcasing how he uses an official controller as an adapter to connect an unauthorized device. From the console's perspective, the official controller is plugged in, but in practice it is only used as a relay for the third-party controller. So here he's saying that he can use any controller he wants. And let's see, so this is a Xbox controller. Right here we have a PlayStation 5 controller. Okay, I see what's going on. So he's going USB-C on the PlayStation 5 controller over to a USB-A for a battery pack here of some kind on the Xbox controller itself. Then the Xbox controller itself has to be plugged into the console. So there we go. He plugs that in. All right. So what I'm seeing here I haven't used a Cronus Zen on the Xbox. I've used it on PlayStation 4 before. However, it is working, as you can see. And it looks like this is pretty similar to what the Cronus Zen does on at least the PlayStation 4 when I tried it before, where in order to get this all authenticated, you have to physically... Let's go ahead and replay this here. You have to physically take a official PlayStation or like an authorized or certified controller, and you have to plug it in and then you can use whatever third-party controller you want, whether it's like, let's say, a PlayStation Xbox controller. You can then use any other controller you want, and you can utilize that on the console as long as you still have your donor controller connected, so to speak. So that's essentially what's happening here. Wololo said relay, and this is essentially just being used as a donor. The enthusiast then followed up with more demos from his working device. Here is a OG Xbox controller on modern Xbox. That's really cool. And you could, okay, and that is an actual original Xbox controller. That is wonderful to see. Like, that's not like the remastered Duke. That is the original Duke from 2001, 2002. So that's working. A Xbox 360 controller. There we go. My favorite. Well, one of my favorites. Xbox 360 controller or on modern Xbox. So it'll be interesting to see this actually work here oh and he can go wireless on it all right all right and this is super nice because hyperkin ended up releasing essentially a remastered xbox 360 controller but it's not wireless it's wired and it only works on the uh, xbox one and xbox series consoles so that's cool that's awesome this would be worth it here 
I, I do love my 360 controller. For some people, the attempt here is not meaningful as it implies buying and connecting an original Xbox controller, and from their perspective, it means Microsoft won by getting you to buy an official controller. But if the intent is indeed to play with a controller that isn't available through Microsoft's official hardware program, whatever your reasons, then such a solution could work for you depending on the price and ease of implementing the mod. Whether Microsoft will be able to detect and ban such circumvention is also to be seen. So cool. Overall, I look forward to seeing more of this if possible, but uh, I love it. I, I love it. This is great. Finally, at the end of these episodes, I like to pick something here that is cool, interesting, funny, awesome, just somehow maybe related to modding or indirectly related. Uh, but here, this is actually something that a friend of the channel here, Casey, ended up linking to me uh, from her co-host page here. She ended up linking this to me here, which is bringing the original Xbox 360 convection font to modern dashboards if you have a hard modded console. So here we have a screenshot of the Blades dashboard, which people know and love, and it states here, on a RGH system, want the old font back? Me too. So I've packaged the old font files up for you with a readme to install them. Small write-up with known issues to follow. If you'd like to contribute to fixing them, I'd love the assist. Now, despite appearances, the above screenshot is captured on the latest system update and kernel. I'm running Blades Dash via the custom patched version created for the Proto Stealth service. Here's NXE just for funsies. And right here, indeed, you can kind of do a bit of a comparison, but you could see here that the font is the same across the both of these. Your system font files are stored in your console's flash memory, same place as your dashboard. The modern Xbox 360 font shares the same file name as the old one. Therefore, replacing this font in one place is going to replace it everywhere. Unfortunately, this is going to break things and parts of the UI released after the switch. Namely, the Gamerscore logo will appear as a box in some places. My theory as to why is in the README. And yep, we can see it right there, the Gamerscore logo is just a box. As you can see, the modern Metro Dash has some other issues too. When not selected, Home is truncated to HOM, and the trailing V is missing from movies and TV, which we can certainly see there. Unfortunately, these fonts are stored as XTT and XTTP1, not TTF, despite being true font types at their core. I've yet to find a way to edit them. I hear rumors that you can use normal TTF fonts by renaming them, but I'll first have to figure out how to make sure all the correct glyphs are included for, say, Gamerscore and Microsoft Points, etc. I'll paraphrase this a little bit just to clean up, but it says the most knowledgeable people in the scene about the differences between how these dashes work are unfortunately bitter people who get angry if you ask them about NXE or Blades, so we'll have to figure this out on our own, but I feel like we can do it. We can check this out on GitHub here, and it is available, just the convection font. Looks like there's some installation instructions with README itself. The release, by the way, was back here, of course, but if we just check out the README here, uh, it does require a modded 360 dash launch and XPDM set as an active plugin for 360 neighborhood installed on your PC. Although I guess you don't necessarily need this here. You don't need neighborhood. You can just FTP if you want to. So for the installation, it states that you need to back up your existing files, open up dash launch or some other homebrew that allows you to access the system flash via neighborhood or FTP. Uh, on Windows, you have to go there, you navigate to the sys media folder, copy these four files onto your PC and back them up somewhere. 
And then at this point, you copy the new files to the same directory, and then you reboot the system, and that's about it. So there we go, a cool little surprise here. And if we check out the issues, yep, this one is documented, just saying the gamer score icon displays as a box in some instances. And looking at this in more detail, something changed, presumably in Metro Dash, in regards to how the gamer score icon is displayed in certain places, particularly the dashboard. My guesstimate is that they added a second, differently scaled, styled G logo to the font that did not exist in the earlier versions, and it only occurs in certain areas of the UI. So for example, gamer cards, the mini blades gamer score display, the achievement descriptions, Metro dashboard, which is basically everywhere, but it does not occur in the game list or the Metro dashboard game preview. So make of that what you will. Anyways, that is about it for this episode of Mod Chat. I hope you all enjoyed it. I hope you all were entertained. I hope you all had some fun listening, watching, and experiencing this episode. And if you got to learn something as well too, that is even more beneficial. So that's about it for this episode overall. If you enjoyed it, a like would absolutely be appreciated. If you didn't like it, a dislike is fine as well too. But as an added bonus, I do like to append these to the ends of these episodes here if you've made it to the end. So as a little bonus here, so I can see who's made it to the end, if you leave this keyword or key phrase in a comment on the video upload, I'll know that you've made it to the end of this episode. So for this, since I'm still feeling a little bit sick here, we're not going to go very original. Let's go... Let... <coughs> Let's just go with sick. Do you like being sick? Do you hate being sick? Is your favorite band one of the sickest in the genre? Let me know if you use the word sick in a comment on the video upload. I'll know that you've made it to the end when I'm checking the comments. Anyways, that's about it for this episode here. This is Mr. Mario signing off. Thank you all for listening and watching everyone. And until next time.